I went to a conference not long ago. Someone actually in church invited us, and Priscilla Shire was the guest speaker. Sorry. I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, anyway, Priscilla Shire, she, she passed all these little cards when he came in, and uh, she had everyone write maybe a prayer request. She didn't do this till towards the end. She great, gave this great lesson, and she had us write these things, and we all went down to the altar, and we put these in baskets. You're wondering what they're going to do with all these things we put in baskets. And then when we were getting ready to leave, she said, now when you go out the door, those baskets are back there, and I want you to reach in. I want you to grab a couple, you know, one or two or whatever. Anyway, I grabbed a couple. And I grabbed, I grabbed uh, this first one here, actually got the two. And, you know, a lady had written that down in her own hand and put this in the basket. We're supposed to take them and pray for them. And, you know, sometimes there's things that are really on your heart. And, I mean, there were thousands. You know, it's Priscilla Shire. There were, that place was packed. The people in there, thousands, maybe I exaggerated. There were hundreds. Maybe there was a couple thousand. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so I pulled this card out, and, this is, and I wrote it on the back because it was written in her own handwriting, and I thought I might get up here and couldn't read it, so I'm going to read the back of it. It says, Dear Lord. Oh, yeah, let me tell you this. I'm a crier. But, you know, I can cry and then I don't. So if I cry, just, you know, wah, I got tissue here. I'll be all right. Um, dear Lord, please help me grow in faith and biblical knowledge. I just thought that was just the greatest thing to put in that basket. I mean, she could have said, said something about her marriage or something about her children or something about who knows what. But if she can get these two things, those other things are going to fall in place. She's going to get those answers that she needs. She said, I, she finished with, I want to know you, Lord. And I thought, man, that is the cry of my heart, that people would know the Lord and that, that people would have that faith, build their faith and biblical knowledge. I thought, God, that lady, you've got it. You know what you need. Now, you've got to go after it. You can't just know what you need and not do anything about it. So I thought, God, I get such a great card. I have no clue what this one will be. You know, I looked at the other. I was excited. It could be something good, you know. And again, written in her own hand, she puts her daughter's name in here, and I'm not going to read that, but it's from a mother. You know, I'm not a mother. But anyway, it says, Father, heal and deliver my daughter. And I just thought, wow, the heart of a mother, because I was a daughter, and I had a mother. And she lists her name, and she says, from the lifestyle of homosexuality, and I thought of all the thousands of cards I could have picked out. It's a card that had my issue, part of my issue on it. I thought, how did I get this card out of all the cards I could have gotten? Because that's God. It says, heal her wounds. Boy, I got, I got this card when I read it. I got this card. I thought, lady, I don't know who you are, but this ended up in good hands. And this has been, I don't know how long, how long ago was it? Over a year, I've kept these cards. I don't know what anybody else did with theirs. I look at them all the time. They're right where I sit and read and do my Bible study. I want that lady to know I'm praying for her daughter still. It says, uh, woo her. See, I tried to read the wrong side. Um, woo her to your heart and mend our relationship. You know the word woo, it means to gain the love of. That's what she wants God to do for her daughter. Gain her love, Lord. Gain her, Lord, she's lost. Gain her love. And it means to seek and to pursue. I 
thought of the heart of that mother. She wants the Lord to seek and pursue her daughter. So I keep these cards. I love these little cards. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And the, the one where the, the girls deal with homosexuality, when I read that, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, you need to share. Well, I don't want to share. I'm going to share that for sure. Share other things. You need to share. You need to talk about it. How do people get freedom from things if people who are free don't tell? Wow. And uh, can I just say, Joseph Pilgrim, he just walked in. You are awesome. Look at that. That's my little... Uh, he got me on the screen already. Pastor told me to make sure I have a red light. I've got it. I'm ready to go. I told Pastor the bad thing may be I'll get excited and I'll press my thumb and those slides will just flip through really fast. And So I don't know what will happen. If this is too much, I'm just going to set it down and talk to you. Let me pray real quick. Bow with me, please. Lord, I ask that you use me tonight. Speak through me. Boy, I ask you to open hearts, to change lives, and to draw us deeper into love with you. Amen. I don't pray long. Well, Debbie, Debbie asked me to speak at this conference, and those of you that know the story, I'm not going to go, go through the, my past with Debbie, but I'll just say that Debbie has asked me to do some things, and it just gets bigger all the time, and I don't, I'm, I'm so slow-witted. I don't get it. I'm not getting it. You know, one day she put out a piece of paper. Would everybody just teach a chapter? Teach a, I thought, I don't teach a chapter. Teach a, so I signed up chapter. And the next thing, would somebody teach a book? Would somebody? I mean, it just got bigger and bigger. And Anyway. You know, so she asked me to go eat at Chili's this, you know, not too long ago before this conference. And uh, she'd, I'd been to Chili's with her before. It's dangerous. <laughs> but it never dawned on me. It, I just didn't dawn on me that she was going to ask me anything like this. I had lots of thought, things I thought she might want, you know, help with this and help with that. I'm kind of a helper. You know, yeah, I can help. And, but she said, I've got a favor to ask you. I thought, oh, okay, yeah, you know. She wants me to move something or, you know, I got a truck. Or, and she said, she asked me if I'd be the conference speaker. And I just, I just looked at her. You know, and I, and I can look pretty stoic. I can look pretty serious. I was a teacher for 25 years. I can give you the eye. <laughs> and I, I just looked at her, you know, like, you know, I just didn't say anything. I just stared at her. And she starts giving me all these papers. You know, I hear all these scriptures I thought of and, you know, I'm already stuck way back on, will you be the conference speaker? And I'm not even really hearing. I mean, I'm hearing, but, and she's talking and talking, and I'm not, you can ask her. I said not a word. I just looked at her about like this. But my head was going 90 miles an hour. And then she said, and, oh, yeah, and it does include Sunday. I wanted to die. I wanted to die right there. It's, it's hard enough, you know, in front of the women, but I was thinking, gosh, the women and the men, you know, bigger group. And Anyway, wah, wah, I was all scared. Anyway, I don't want to make a lot of it because I really was. I was scared. And my heart was pounding. My heart was just pounding. And uh, she wanted an answer, but I wasn't, I wasn't really answering. She said, you know, you think about it, and you get back to me when you're ready. And, you know, when I was walking out to my car, the Lord was talking to me. And, you know, I'd been praying for an opportunity to share my story on a larger scale. And, you know, who knows? I wasn't thinking of this. This wasn't what I was thinking of. And uh, I remember this song we sing a lot called Good, Good Father. 
And the line that says, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. Man, that just makes me weep all the time because I came from a, a life in a lot of different areas where people had a lot of opinions about God and they weren't good. And they also weren't true. Um, you know, that he was mean or unjust or unloving or unfair or unkind or didn't listen or didn't answer prayer. Or, I mean, the list just goes on. And every time, because it says a thousand stories of what people say you're like. You know, but I know how God's been to me, and I wanted to share that. That's what I wanted to share. And I like the next line, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. I've been through some dead of nights. I think we probably all have, right? And isn't it great when you hear those tender whispers of the Lord? Okay, here we go. Hot dog, look at that. Um, when my anxious inner thoughts become overwhelming, your comfort encourages me. Psalms ninety four seventeen. You know, we shouldn't be anxious anyway. When that anxiousness comes, we're supposed to cast it, not supposed to stay with it. But you know, when you stay with it, those inner thoughts, they get polluted, don't they? You start going places you shouldn't. You start making things bigger than they need to be. It's a, it's a tool of the enemy. We need to be careful who we start listening to. When that anxiety starts building up, it can become overwhelming. You know what we need to do? When anxious thoughts come to us, we need to turn to the Lord. It says your comfort encourages me. You know, I can let him give me those godly thoughts. Let him tell me the truth of that situation, and it changes everything. So I had been praying, Lord, give me an opportunity to speak and share. I, I thought, you know, it would be my neighbor or, you know, I was thinking something like that. I wasn't thinking this, but so I walk out to the truck and my head's just spinning and I'm hearing all these thoughts, you know, these, this uh, inner overwhelming anxiety, you know, it's too much. I can't do it. I'm not ready. I was afraid. And I got in the car and I really didn't want to think about it right now. And my heart was really pounding because I, I just knew that God wanted me to do this, but I didn't want to. And so I thought, well, until I get home and I can really sit down and think about it and pray, I'll turn on the radio because it can kind of fill my head. And I turn on the radio. Isn't God good? He is so good. You know, I've, all my stations are Christian stations. You know, it's all it's on my radio. And I turned it on, and sure enough, and guess what song's playing? It's by Casting Crowns. And it says, it is right in the chorus, just turned it on, sitting in Chili's parking lot, just left Debbie. It said, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. Boy, immediately I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> God was talking to me, and he was going to tell me the truth, and he knew I had all these voices in my head, and they weren't true, and they're not the ones I needed to listen to. I needed to hear the voice of truth. The second verse says, or the second line says, the voice of truth says, do not be afraid. Oh, my gosh, I was so scared. Doesn't he know exactly how we feel? He knows exactly where we are, exactly what we're going through, and just what we need to hear. Think of how many times it says in Scripture not to be afraid, not to be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Um, the next line is, the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. You know, part of the fear is, well, I'm putting myself out there. And boy, he takes it off you when he says, eh, doesn't matter who you are. It's not about you. It's about me and what I did. You're just going to talk about me. Don't you want to talk about me? Oh, I do. Don't you want to tell what I've done? I do. 
Well, here's your chant. The next line says, out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. It's a choice. It's a choice. I had to choose to listen. Um, you know, I had the fear and doubt thoughts and I shouldn't and I couldn't. The enemy trying to hold me back. I had to choose the voice and I chose his. I decided I did. I, I texted Deb when I got home. I even texted her about this song. I said, I'll do it. I'll do the conference. You know, and then I was like, what you do? Why'd you say that? <laughs> and this uh, paper she gave me had scriptures on it. She goes, you know, I thought the conference could be about one of these scriptures. Let's see if it's, it works again. Look at that. Pastor's so good. Thank you, Pastor Allen. He showed me how to do this. Mark twelve thirty says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And I thought I've got, I've got four lessons to do. And God said, there's your four lessons. Isn't he great? He's so good. I, you know, I was a teacher, so when I look at things, I kind of think that way anyway. So I said, okay, there's four lessons. So tonight is love the Lord your God with all your heart. And I thought, in my life, when has God most healed and touched my heart? And it involved the death of my mother. You know, he wants our whole selves. He wants uh, all of us so that we can truly be whole. He wants every part of us, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength that Sunday. Uh, that sounds so great, doesn't it? That scripture sounds so great to give him all of us. But how do you do it, and how does it work? Well, I can only tell you how it's working, not work like it's all, I'm already all there, but how it's working and developing in me by sharing my testimony. So this part's about my mom. And, you know, everything in life, whether it's good or bad, can be used to either bring us closer to God, everything. Or the enemy will use it if we listen to Satan. He'll try to use it to hold us back or drive a wedge between us and God. It doesn't matter if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Like you, got, you, want, you want a job and you're praying for it and you get this really great job and then guess what happens? The devil will twist that job around where you're too tired to go to church. Well, no, I used to go to church, but I'm so tired now. Or, you know, I could, I could earn extra by working on this day and kind of miss church. And before you know it, this good blessing you've got, the devil have you, has used to try to pull you away, and it was supposed to be a good thing. And he'll use a bad thing too. Maybe you're sick and you're ill. And the devil will tell you things like, well, God did this to you. You know, God could heal you. Why didn't God heal you? Why did he let you get this sickness? Why does the devil tell you that? To drive a wedge between you and the one person that you need more than anyone else, more than that doctor. You need the Lord. He's, he's tricky like that. He's evil that way. And that's why we've got to have scripture. That's why I love the word. That's why I stay in the Bible to keep my mind the way it should be. It's so easy to go the wrong way. Love the Lord with all your heart. That's the name of this message tonight. I had to know his heart. I had to know how he loved me before I could begin to love him. You know, he loves us first. So this is a time when he touched my heart in an awesome way. And it's something that I continue to draw on even today. Psalms 114 says, uh, He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Oh, he's been so gracious and merciful to me. And it's remembering all these great things he's done in my life and over the past that helped me. We need to remember and count those blessings. We need to go back. 
to what it was like when we got saved. What did he save us out of? What was it like when we were on fire for the Lord? And what's happened to our flame? Can't we rekindle it? How do we keep, keep ourselves on fire for him? So uh, this is about my mom, and I'll tell you just a little bit about her. I started to put some slides up and stuff of her, but it was, it was too much. So this is all we're doing. But uh, she divorced when uh, I was three years old. I had an older sister that was 18 who died in a car accident, and my parents divorced not long after that. Um, I don't think it was the best marriage to begin with, but I think the death of a child, any kind of trauma like that, can be really difficult. I don't really have a memory of them being married because I was so young. Uh, my mom was a secretary. She had a high school education. She didn't make a lot, but um, she was a little secretary, and we had to move around a lot, little rental houses. She and I shared a room. I thought she was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen, just loved my mother. Uh, she loved music. She loved to dance. She had a great laugh. She was a hugger and a kisser. Praise God, she's made me affectionate. I'm affectionate. I'm kind of a hugger and a kisser. I just am. It's just me. But that's from my mama. That's how she raised us. She was a hugger and a kisser. She wasn't necessarily a great cook. Um, she died, by the way, when I was 13. So I didn't really learn to cook. But, you know, she wasn't a great cook. I guess I'm not either. Uh, she wasn't a perfect mother. She had faults. But, you know, at 13, I didn't see many faults. I just thought she was awesome. Uh, she did not raise us in church. So if there was going to be a fault, that might have been it. She didn't raise us in church and with the Lord. Um, but she loved me, and I loved her. You know, sometimes we're really hard on ourselves about how we did as a daughter or how we did as a mother. Or how we've done as a spouse. Maybe we stay in regret or we live defeated because we don't think we did everything right. You know, I'm standing up here. I love the Lord. I've been in this little church for, I don't know, lots, lots of years. And churches before that. And, uh, you know, my mother would be so pleased, so pleased with what has happened to me. But it wasn't because of some great start that I had. And I think we beat ourselves up so much that that maybe we didn't do all we should have for our children. I bet you did the best you could where you were. And sometimes as daughters, we might beat up our, um, our mothers. I wish my mother would have done this. I wish my mother, man, we need, to, we need to let people go. We need to know that when we become adults, it doesn't matter how you're raised. When you become, become an adult, come to that age where you can start making your own decisions and decide which way you're going to go, it's up to you. That's your life. At that point, that's your life. Um, if you have done something and you feel bad for it, because sometimes we have, ask for forgiveness. It's that, it's that easy. doesn't sound like it should be that easy, but it is. He'll forgive you for whatever you've done. Um, let God restore you and mend you. Press on. Let your life be a testimony to God's goodness. You know, is it something that you're going through right now? You're still in the midst of it. You know, again, you can just, you can ask forgiveness and you can pray for help to change whatever you're in. Lord, help me change this. Help me change the way I feel. Help me change the way I think. He can do that. He's done it for me. God continues to call us the whole time. Remain hopeful, you know. He's got something for us. He's continually drawing us all the time, and he can change our issues.
God's bigger than your mistakes, and everyone has to make their own decisions about the Lord no matter how they were raised. We don't save people, and we don't lose them either. Isn't that good to know? We can't save anybody, not our own children, not our parents, not anybody, and we don't lose people either. They don't love the Lord because of me. That's just not true. They don't love the Lord because they're, they're not to that place yet, but it's not because of you. Let yourself go. God has all of us, and God never gives up. Forgive yourself, start living godly and biblically yourself, and that's the biggest thing you can do to change the future or to change the past, how you live right now, how you live right now. So I don't really know that my mom necessarily was raised a Christian. I think she was. I believe she was. Again, I was 13. I didn't ask all these questions, right? But she had a, bo a boss, and his na last name was Mann. I wish I knew, knew how to contact him, M-A-N-N. -N. And uh, he was the boss at uh, the FAA where she worked as a secretary. And he used to invite her to church all the time, and she was never interested in going to church. He was married, had a real nice family. But um, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I was 11. She was 43, and I was 11. And when she was diagnosed with cancer... And he asked her to church. Guess what she said? Yeah. And we started going. And um, that was so critical in my life, that church experience. Man, I got instruction. I had great praise and worship. I felt the presence of God there. You may know it. It's Rockwood Park Assembly of God in Fort Worth, Texas. It was on a little golf course. And I don't even know if it still exists. I think the building's still there. But it was a little Assembly of God church. And I loved that church. And that's where I found the Lord, and boy, was I about to need him. Um, isn't God wonderful? Psalms 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. He put my mom and I in the right place, preparing us for what lay ahead. You know, we don't understand his goodness sometimes until we look back. Uh, we can trust him, though. And I remind myself to listen to him, to follow his word, because he desires to prepare me if I let him. He has my steps ordered if I'd follow. So why, why do I so often rebel? Boy, I need to follow what he's telling me. He's got my steps ordered. He got us involved in this church. So we're going to this really great church. And my, mom, my mom's going, and I just, I just loved it there. I'm telling you, it was, I still think about it with such joy. And my mom's getting sicker, and she's trying everything. They were trying experimental drugs. She had multiple myeloma, turned her bones to like Swiss cheese. Uh, one night she turned over in bed and broke her hip. I used to sleep in the same room with her to help take care of her. And um, it, was, it was awful. She had chemotherapy and radiation, and um, it was just getting worse. She started using a walker. I remember how heartbreaking that was for me to watch her walk out of the house using a walker. I think she was a little um, embarrassed about it, she was in her early 40s, but she was a single mother with children, and she needed to go to work. And she was a secretary, high heels and a dress, and there she was in that walker, making her way slowly to that car with this cancer eating her up. And this all was in this really good church, and I used to pray for her healing all the time. Heal my mother, heal my mother. I remember at one point my mom got so sick she... Um, I found her crying, and she said, you know, I feel like I need to go make my funeral arrangements. 
And even even as a little girl, I sort of felt a little bit like her protector. I wanted to step in and and protect her. And obviously she was scared. So I kind of, you know, put my brave self on. Well, I'll go with you. It's not a big deal. I'll go with you. And uh, so we went to the funeral home, and I wanted to help her. I remember when we walked in, for me it was just, you know, it was kind of frightening. I didn't think it was going to be frightening until I got there, and it was. And they were asking her all these questions, you know, what are you going to wear and what songs are they going to play? And Man, it was just really getting to me. And then she had to go down, and um, they were trying to, she's trying to negotiate a casket. She didn't have much money, but she didn't want, like, she was afraid, I guess she didn't want something too terrible. And so he took us into this room to look at caskets. And, boy, I started to lose it. You know, I was trying to be really tough for her. And when I saw that, it was kind of real. And I remember I kind of, we were hold, I was holding her hand, you know, trying to be big. But when I saw that, I let go of her hand, and I walked over close to her because I didn't want her to see me cry. And I remember praying, God, don't let me cry. Let me be strong. Of course, the tears, you know, kind of went back, and I helped my mom. We got it all, all picked out. But, boy, it was just a tough, tough time of life. And, you know, God will enable us to do things that may seem impossible, things you don't think you could make it through. Many times I've prayed, you know, difficulty would go away, but there's some things that we can't avoid, and that sometimes it's death, right? You just can't avoid it. Uh, and if I have to go through something difficult, this is something to carry with me, for I want to do it with him. If I've got to go through it, it's going to be painful, it's going to be frightening or difficult. I don't want to go through it alone. I want the Lord with me. You know, sometimes I've brought difficulty in my own life. It's come to me because I've done it myself. Sometimes willfully. Sometimes I let fear control me or I think I've got it all figured out. You know, I've got a better solution than God does. I mean, there's no telling how much I could have avoided if I would have just listened to him and followed his word. In Psalms 46, 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. You know, if I would have had him many times to call on, if I would have thought of him, if I would have even put forth that effort, what a difference it might have made. So I, I didn't want her to die. You know, I loved her. She was my mom. I was scared to death, you know. I wasn't even quite 13 yet. Um, and I remember I would think thoughts like, who would ever love me? You know, whoever loves you like your mother, right? I mean, I remember thinking that, gosh, God, you can't let her die. Who would ever love me? I thought, who would ever understand me or know all about the things that had happened? You know, even today, I was, I'm going on a missions trip to China in about a month. And they were asking, have you ever had chicken pox? I don't know. You know, there's so many things you don't think about to ask or who to ask, and the people that would know aren't here anymore. Um, Anyway, I thought, who would ever love me? Who would understand me? Who was going to care for me? Where would I be if she was gone? And so I was praying for her healing and weeping for it. And, you know, he had healed her one time. My oldest brother, he's seven years older than me. And he was 19, I think, at the time. And uh, my mother's spine was collapsing. I was there at the house with her by myself. And um, she was in her chair, just, oh, just screaming out, you know. And 
I'm, I'm whether trying to help or trying to figure out what I need to do. Do I need to call? And suddenly, my oldest brother, who didn't even live in our house, walked in. And he already knew the Lord. Isn't God good? And he walks over to my, my mom and he said, we need to pray for her. And I grabbed his hand and we grabbed mom's hand and he prayed. And I'm telling you, the warmth came over all of us. Went through my mom. She, she just settled down, got, got calm. Her uh, back didn't hurt her anymore. It was amazing. It's the most amazing thing. So, I mean, I'd seen God heal and I was expecting this to happen. Um, you know, he hears us every time we pray for something, every time we speak. And he's always got an answer for us. And his answer is always perfect. It's always right. It's always loving and it's always true. It may not be what we wanted. It may not be what we expected. We may not even understand it. But we have to trust him because he's always come through for me, even in the tough times. And I know he's come through for you too. You know, the devil wants to build up walls of doubt in us or rejection, offense to keep us from receiving God's best. But, you know, we don't have to listen to his lies. If there is a wall in your life somewhere, tear it down. If you've built up some sort of wall of offense for whatever reason, tear it down. You don't need it. I lived um, with my mom until she got so sick that they put her in the hospital. She was in the hospital a very long time back then, months. seems like I was almost with the assistant pastor for a year, but there was a 20-something-year-old newlywed uh, assistant pastor at, at this church and he and his wife agreed to take me in to live at their house it was a little two-bedroom wood frame one bathroom house and it was on a little cul-de-sac um, across from Mount Olivet, Olivet um, Cemetery there in town but I moved in into their house to live with them and you know um, God gave me a place to pray he knew how much I loved nature how much I loved to be outside and I spent a lot of time with the Lord. And so he provided that Mount Olivet Cemetery. It was right across the street. And you'd think a cemetery, that's no place for some girl to go. Or They had the best grass, the most beautiful trees. It was quiet. There was nobody there to disturb me. They had these huge white statues of Jesus doing different things. And I would wander that cemetery praying for my mother and talking to God and crying out to him and I could sing songs as loud as I wanted God God gave me that and he gave me a safe home with these two great people she was a school teacher by the way and they were very faithful to church assistant pastor we were there Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday we went all the time and I loved it God's so good. I put. I thought, how perfect. You know, he knows us so well. He knows what we need. He knows what will bless us. You know, if we just cooperate with him, isn't he trying to line things up in our life and help us out? He was helping me. Well, I went to see my mom all the time. Um, it was uh, from that, you know, if you know a little bit about Fort Worth, um, I went to school in Castleberry, so I'd get on a city bus which I didn't ride a city bus, but I, my, the assistant pastor showed me how to do it. Here's your money. You get a bus ticket. You get on the bus, and you ride to downtown Fort Worth. You get off on this stop. It stops at this time. He gave me a little schedule. 
Stops at this time, there's a hospital, your mom's on the second floor. So I'd go see her every day. And then I'd catch two buses back home. And if I missed a bus, then I didn't get home in time and I'd get in trouble because it'd be after dark. But I used to go up and see her every day. I loved my mother. And I'd get these calls sometimes in the morning that she wasn't going to live. You know, this is it. So I'd go up there, I'd sit with her all day just holding her hand. And if you know what cancer is, she'd come back. You know, she'd be going and come back, going and come back. It was, it was this over and over and over. There were months like that. Um, I remember I started thinking, you know, she really could die. She really might not be healed. She might die. And if she dies, my big thought went back to who's going to take care of me and what's going to happen to me. I thought, well, I don't want to go live with my uncle. Um, I never told her why, but at nine years old, on summer visits, my uncle started abusing me. But I didn't know what to say or how to tell her, so I never told her. And now she's got cancer and she's sick. And I just couldn't, I didn't even know how to say it or how to get it out. But that was my only relative. And so I was pretty sure that's where I'd end up. And I remember one time I told my mom, I said, make sure I don't have to go live there. Well, why? I just, I just don't like it there. Will you make sure not to go live there? Well, I'll make sure you won't have to. Well, nothing was really ever done about it. And, of course, I never mentioned why. You know, so I, I was really hoping that, that uh, she would be healed and that wouldn't be what happened. I just remember it was such a hard time and I was so young. And I remember just how cruel cancer was, the way it chipped away at her. And, you know, being a Christian, because I was a Christian, I was saved. I spoke in tongues. I sang. I mean, I danced in front of the church. That was a, that was a pumping church. And God and I were so close. The closest times I had with him were in that cemetery. I loved that cemetery. Funny thing for someone to say, isn't it? I love that cemetery. But I'm telling you, it was safe. It was quiet. It was right across the street. There were birds. There were trees. All the things I loved. And nobody was nobody bothered me. I could just sing out loud, and it was awesome. Um, but it doesn't mean that we no longer have heartache. But what it does mean when you're a Christian is he's going to see you through it, whatever it is. Um, you know, we need to stop trying to do things alone. We have the most loving, understanding Father that will be with us every step. He'll show us how. We don't have to be so tough, so hard, or so wise. And, you know, that's a real lesson that I've been learning. I don't have to be so tough, so hard, or so wise. Uh, we can lean on him and accept his help. We can listen to his voice, and he can do the impossible. So one day I get a call to come up. She's dying again, and, of course, I'm scared to death. And I walk in a room, and it's clearly different this time. I mean, I can just tell. My father died not long ago, and when I walked in his room, I knew. You can just tell. I just knew. Um, my mother had a, and this was this was not uncommon with her, but she had like this fixed stare at the ceiling, like a comatose kind of state. And um, she was making these gurgling, really bad gurgling sounds. And I looked next to her bed, and there was this tall container full of this bloody fluid with little bits of stuff floating in it. I found out it was her lung tissue. They'd been trying to clear her lungs, but they'd given up because they were pulling them apart. 
So essentially, she's sort of drowning. Does it make sense? So I, I get this chair, and um, it's just me and my aunt. My aunt's in the room, her sister, her only sister. My father had no siblings, and this is my mother's only sister. She's sitting down near the foot of the bed, kind of off at a distance, and nobody else is in there. And I'm, I'm right up by my mom's head, and I pull this little chair up here, and I whispered to her that I loved her and that I'm right here. And I held her little hand, so small. It's no wonder I felt like a protector. Her hand was so tiny, a little, little bone of a hand. And her eyes were all sunken in and dark. And her mouth was just gaped open and dry. With this gurgling sound. I remember I put her hand to my cheek and I just cried. And, you know, God was right there with me. I felt him. I was talking to him. And I knew he was listening to my every word. Have you ever felt like that? That he's listening to your every word? If you haven't, he is. And you need to feel that way. He listens to everything you say all the time. Even when you're not talking to him. He hears us. And if you've felt like that before, that he's listening to you, isn't it wonderful and isn't it comforting? You know, sad and heartbreaking as that was, I knew he was right there. Like this big, huge, awesome thing just kind of right in behind me while I'm sitting there in this chair with my mom. Whatever you're going through, he can help you. And he'll be there right beside you if you let him. And he hears you and he cares about you. Don't ever think he doesn't care. He's full of love for us. If we just open our hearts to him so he can help. He's right there. Oh, wow, excuse me. So she's choking, you know, drowning on this fluid, making this horrible gurgling sound. And I'm... My thoughts, you know, I'm thinking, you know, were my prayers prolonging this for her? You know, was God waiting for me to be ready? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I'm not setting this up in any way as, as the way to do things or how you're supposed to do it. I'm just telling you honestly for sure what happened with me. I was a little girl of 12, and I'll never forget it. You know, there's many things that we don't understand, and we need to trust him no matter what. Otherwise, we become bitter and angry. And I, you know, I think what a deceitful, wicked trick of the enemy to pull us away from the only hope that we have, from the one who loves us most. You know, don't get mad at God if things go differently than you want. Man, that's what the devil wants. Uh, if things are, are tough or are painful, you know, don't blame God for that. Those aren't things that he, he brought into the world. We live in a fallen world, and it's filled with every kind of sin and hurt. And life has lots of uphill battles, but we can win those battles if we stay with him. And, you know, we've all got stories, and God's our answer. And if you've got any unresolved hurts right now, a broken heart from a loss of any kind, let him heal you. Don't carry it another day. 
So being a child, you know, being 12, and feeling that God was right there and listening to my mother practically drowning in front of me, seeing that they had given up trying to clear her lungs because it was pulling her lung tissue apart, I decided I was going to pray for her for the last time. And I said, I said, I'm going to ask 10 times for her to be healed. And I wanted to give God time to fully consider. That's why I thought 10 times would be a good number. I wanted to give him time to act, and I wanted him to know I really meant it, and I wanted him to hear me. And if she wasn't healed, I'd pray for God to take her. So I closed my eyes, and I held her hand, and I started praying. And it was a real simple prayer. You heard me pray earlier. I'm pretty simple when I pray. I said, God, if you're going to heal her, do it now. I had my eyes closed. I had her hand. I'm, I'm up against, she had the, had the rail up. I'm up against that rail. And you can just hear that gurgling noise of hers. And I'm not saying that loud because I don't want anyone else in the room to hear. There's only that one person, but I don't want anyone else to hear. It's like me and God and my mom. And I just keep saying this prayer and I'm counting the times. If you're going to heal her, heal her now. And I mean, I'm pausing in between each one. If you're going to heal her, heal her now. I wanted it so bad. And the 10th time I opened my eyes and I looked at her and there was no change. She was still in that kind of comatose state, staring at the ceiling, mouth gaping open. That gurgling sound that she's making. My first thought was, well, you know, God doesn't listen to prayers like that. It's my first thought. Of course it didn't happen. He doesn't listen to prayers like that. But it's like I felt inside that I had told him what I was going to do. And I said that there were two parts to it. And then I, I needed to pray the second part. And it scared me. Because I thought, you know, what if she does die? So I continued and I prayed the second part. Because I just couldn't watch her, you know, like that. And I, I, I had already figured that. This was the day that she was probably going to die anyway since they weren't clearing her lungs and um, she could hardly breathe. You know, miracles are um, unexpected. They're impossible and they're unique to each situation. And I love that about God. He's a God of miracles. And if you need a miracle, you can come to him and see what he can do with your situation. And if you had a miracle... Thank him again and remind yourself of his goodness. So once again, I, you know, it's holding her hand and I began to whisper right there at her, at her head. But I didn't pause as long in between each one. And um, I have to say my heart, I don't think, was really in it when I was saying it. But I felt that I needed to say it. So I'd say, if you're not going to heal her, take her now. I was counting in my head, if you're not going to heal her, take her now. And I put my hold in her hand, and I hear the, you know, the gurgling sounds, and I'm, my eyes are closed. If you're not going to heal her, take her now. And when I got to that tenth time, and I opened my eyes, and she was looking right at me. 
the gurgling had stopped. Her head was turned. And I don't know if you'll know what this means, but sometimes when I would go see her in states like this, even if she looked at me, she wasn't there. You know, that kind of blank stare. She was there and she saw me. She was looking right at me. And she tried to talk to me. But all this fluid was preventing her. And I, I heard her. And I knew exactly what she was saying. I said, you love me. I mean, I just knew it. As soon as she was trying to say it, she's looking right at me mouth. And this, I said, you love me. And she nodded her head. It's the most awesome thing. And then she tried to talk again. And immediately I knew what it was. I've got two brothers, Stephen and Paul. And I knew what she was saying. I said, you love Stephen and Paul. She nodded her head again. And she turned her head back and looked at the ceiling. And she died. And I watched the color drain from her lips. I've never seen color drain from someone's lips before. And I was heartbroken. You know, it was a loss. It was a real hit. It was a hit. I wasn't sure I could survive. My mother was gone. And some of you may think, well, gosh, I thought this was going to be an encouraging story. <laughs> but you know, God is good. And he did hear my prayer. You know, I thought he heard your prayer. He did hear my prayer. You know, we've all had somebody die. I mean, we wish they would all live forever sometimes. Sometimes we wish they'd all, you know, my dad was 91 when he died recently. What a great long life. How can you be sad about that? 91. I, w I went to view, view someone from this church, 102. How can you be sad about that, right? She was 46 and I was 13. You know, death is part of life and I grieved and I mourned and I cried until the tears stopped coming. And I put back on my little brave self and we went to the funeral and I went up to all the people she worked with. Hi, I'm Lois. Hi, I'm Lois. Um, I also found out that I would be going to live where I didn't want to live. That's, that's tomorrow morning's story. Um, Psalms 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Oh, did I miss one? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And you know, that's how I was. I was crushed at that moment. You know, there is a time to grieve, right? There's a time for sadness. But God's so faithful and he's so good. He doesn't leave us there. But sometimes we choose to stay there. Or sometimes the devil wants to come in and, like I said, drive that wedge in there between us because of something bad that happened. It might not be the death of somebody. It may be the death of a dream. Could be something difficult and hard that's happened to you. You know, I'm glad that I didn't get stuck. I'm glad that I let God bring me out of it. We all go through tragedies. Um, 
It's the ones that hold on to him or that return to him that end up victorious. And I tell you something about God. When you lose something, when something's been taken from you or something goes, if you'll let him, he'll bring you something else. Now, I'm not saying anyone can replace your mother. Who replaces your mother? But I want to tell you what, he has given me mothers my entire life since that happened. Uh, he gave my mom strength to say goodbye. I just love him so much for that. For that, I love you from my mother. That was so meaningful to me. Um, he gave me the strength to get through that whole situation. I know that she was healed completely, that her suffering's over. He made it clear to me that she's happy where she is and she's rejoicing. You know, she didn't want to come back. It wouldn't be heaven if she's up there saying, oh, where, where's my daughter and what's happening to her? That's not the picture of heaven, is it? Revelation 21, 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You know, I remember I was real concerned, who's going to love me like she did? Well, you know what? He does. And he loves me more than my mother did or could have. And let me tell you, my mother loved me a lot. I think all of us with mothers, if we have good relationships, they love us a lot, don't they? But they don't love us like the Lord. They can't. It's impossible. No one loves us like the Lord. No one knows us like the Lord. I mean, you can do things your mom doesn't know about, right? She can't do anything he doesn't know about. You can, you can say things to your mom, but on the inside something else is going on. Well, God already knows all about that. You can't fool him. Um, and who would look out for me? Well, God has. And he always will, and he did it better than my mother ever would have. And I'm not putting down my mother. I loved her, right? I wish she would have lived. But even if my mother would have lived, you don't think I would have snuck around behind her maybe doing something? Or I mean, I'd have been a teenager, right? I'd have been a young adult, right? Boy, God looked at, after me better than a mom ever could. And if you're a mom, you can't do everything for your kids. Give them to God. He can God got me when I was 13, and my mom was out of the picture the whole rest of the time. God's a God that he takes care of us. And he's fathered me and mothered me. Boy, he took, he took over both roles. Better than any human being could. And I let him, and I need it. He loves me just like Corinthians 13 says. He's, he's patient. He's kind. He doesn't keep record of wrongs. He forgives and forgets. He doesn't delight in evil, but he rejoices in the truth. He protects, trusts, hopes. I'll tell you something else he does is he knows exactly how to correct me. He knows exactly what I'm doing wrong and how to fix it. Mothers don't always know that. They may think they know what's wrong, but it could be something else. They may think they know how to fix it, right? But if, it, if this solution worked with this child, it may not work with the other one. Isn't that true? But God knows. He sent me lots of mothers everywhere I went. Every neighborhood I was in, I had mothers. You know? Oh, my gosh. Um, every 
uh, neighborhood I lived in, every school, every job I had. You know, every, every school secretary mothered me. I don't care how old I was, even when they were younger. I must have just given that out. They all mothered me. And I didn't fight it. I liked it. I did. I was adopted by, by mothers everywhere. Often they'd call me their daughter. This is my little daughter. I mean, even here in this church, there's a mother right there. Wave at them, Barbara. There's one right there. The other day she got my little face in her hands, just like a mother would, and said the sweetest, kindest things to me, just like a mother would. Boy, if you let God help you, if you let him, he can heal your hurts. Um, the women of this church have loved me and nurtured me. The mothers he put out there, they, they were interested in my life. They were so sweet. A lot of times they told me what to do. Or they complained about my clothes. Or they wanted to teach me how to cook. Or they were constantly pointing out eligible bachelors. Hey, he's a new fifth grade teacher. He's not married. Um, they quizzed me about my weekends. Where'd you go? What'd you do? I mean, you can't get away from a mother if you want one. God will give you one, won't he? Um, the sort of things some of us wish our mothers wouldn't do. Yeah, you know, we got those too. And he sent me sisters, like many of you here who spoke into my life, softened me and cared for me and prayed with me and prayed for me and supported me, encouraged me. You know, I, I got sisters here that will seek me out on Sunday and hug me and kiss me, just like my mom. Barbie's one of them. Um, you know, God didn't leave a void in my life. That doesn't mean I didn't love my mother and I didn't miss her, but he didn't leave a void in my life. Sometimes we want to hold on to that void. We refuse to let it be filled. We, we want to keep that hurt, and we'll find ourselves saying, no one ever can. Don't say that. Let God help you. He wants to. Um, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He loves us with all his heart, and we can learn to love him with all of ours. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And, you know, having him help my heart that way through such a bad time, that's helped me love him with more of my heart. That's part of learning to love him with all my heart, seeing how he looked after me and took care of me and the things he provided. And, you know, I didn't notice all the things I've talked about right when it was going on. Sometimes it took some years past for me to look back and go, wow, what a perfect place to send me. What a perfect couple to live with. Oh, my word, you provided this park-like setting. You knew that was something that I liked and I enjoyed and needed. What a great God we serve. So that, that's the end of my testimony about my mom and about God's goodness. But I just want to tell you, if there's anything in you that's hurting or broken, if there's anything in you that you feel like you've lost or that God doesn't listen to your prayers or he doesn't care or there's some void in your life that can't be filled, it can. And God's here to do it. 